Hi, this is Brian Belter. And this is Pastor Gimble. Welcome back to our Lenten podcast series on the book of Exodus. Uh, Today is actually the last uh, Lenten service scripture that we're going to be reading. Uh, We're going to be reading from Exodus 32, verses 1 through 14. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up! Make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So Aaron said to them, Take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early the next day, and offered burnt offerings, and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink, and rose up to play. And the Lord said to Moses, Go down, for your people, whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way that I commanded them. They have made for themselves a golden calf, and have worshipped it, and sacrificed to it, and said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, in order that I may make a great nation out of you. But Moses implored the Lord his God, and said, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people, whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say, With evil intent did he bring them out to kill them in the mountains, and to consume them from the face of the earth. Turn from your burning anger, and relent from the disaster against your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self, and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, and all the land that I have promised I will give to your offspring, and they shall inherit it forever. And the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people. Thank you, Brian, for the reading. Well, and thank you as well. We needed you know, someone with some authority to do the voice of the Lord, so I appreciate that. <laughs> well, somewhat. I kind of wanted to read the part of Aaron, though. But, well, yeah, he, at any rate. Yeah, let's start right there. Speaking of Aaron, wow. The man chosen to be Moses' mouthpiece, to be his right-hand man, who we know is the, you know, the first consecrated priest of the the Israelites. He's 100% complicit in this construction of a golden calf and an altar to to worship before it. But it, it, it's a little confusing because it seems like the people want to worship this calf, but Aaron builds the calf and yet builds an altar to the Lord for them to worship to the Lord. It just seems like a a weird combination they they're just they seem super confused as to what, what what's going on here yeah it really is and as i was thinking i i'm i'm trying to 
answer the question in my own mind. Does Aaron know that something is wrong and goes along with it? Or does he legitimately just not realize what he is doing is hmm. not what God wants either? So I've always kind of thought the the first answer, that he, he knows that this is wrong, but he's kind of like a pushover. I guess that's how, how I've always pictured him, I guess. I mean, he is greatly outnumbered. I mean, there's hundreds of thousands of these people bearing down on him to to make some kind of visible visible presence. You know, because what Moses has been gone nearly the whole 40 days right now, and the people are a little frustrated it sounds like not knowing what he's doing where he's been has he abandoned them you know what what is what's happening so so they turn yeah. they turn to Aaron to for some answers right yeah and 40 days is a long time right I mean you think about 40 days ago church was we had like a big snowstorm and right we weren't able to go to church it wasn't even Lent yet <laughs> yeah it wasn't even Lent yet you know we didn't even have the final four tournament or even know who was going to be in the tournament mm-hmm you know, even to think about sports, the Cardinals weren't playing. So, I mean, there, 40 days is a lot of time. That's a long time to wait, you know, for, especially for Moses to come down that, that stinking mountain. So they were probably pretty agitated about it, to say the least. So Moses is up there, and he really has no idea that any of this is going on. No clue, it sounds like. And uh, God clues him in, which is kind of funny. Yeah, it's interesting to see that, I mean, obviously God sees everything, that instead of waiting for Moses to discover this on his own, he is so incensed with anger at what the people are doing that he, he brings it directly to Moses while he's still on, on the mountaintop to, to to tell him, hey, this isn't going to fly. I'm not going to stand for this. Yeah, in fact, he's so incensed by it. He doesn't even own up to the fact that he's well, that he's their God and they are his people. I mean, before, we've heard promise after promise after promise previous to this about... I am your God. Here's everything that I have done for you. You will, are called to be my people. That you know the segula, that treasured possession, and things like that too. And notice all the pronouns there, right? Go down to your people. This is God saying to Moses in verse seven, whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt. Wait, did Moses bring him up out of Egypt? I yeah, don't think so. Up until this point, there's been a big emphasis on saying, the Lord who has brought us out of Egypt, the Lord who has provided these things. And even the Lord himself, you know, as you just mentioned, continually says, I am your Lord, you are my people. Yeah. And, and at this point, he is so he is so angry at what they're doing that if you look through those those four verses there, there's not a single time that he says, my. Mm-hmm. He puts it all on, Moses, these are your people. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. These people, they, it's, it's, he doesn't take ownership of them at all. This stiff-necked people. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't, uh... He doesn't seem to, to to include them as he had before in under his under his wing of mercy, protection, and power. You you made me laugh when we were discussing this beforehand about uh, how this can kind of uh, look like when uh, a child is misbehaving at home and the two parents are uh, are talking about uh, this is no longer my child, your child is doing this. Yeah. You'll never get what, guess what your son did at school today, right? Right. Uh, it must have come from you because it's your fault. Or, you know, uh, even in a biblical il- illustration to the prodigal son, you remember the, the prodigal runs away and comes back, and then the older son is talking to his dad, and he says, this son of yours who ran away and squandered his wealth with prostitutes has come back. So he doesn't even, he's so angry with him, he doesn't even uh, acknowledge him as his brother, just as this guy. And and that's that's 
the kind of anger that God has. He's just ready to wipe them off. And, I, and the, the detail I didn't catch until reading this again is he wants to start his people through Moses. Yeah. Like just him. In, in verse 10 right there, he says he wants to consume the people that are down on the mountain and then make a great nation of you. So that's a that's a brand new revelation to me as well. That uh, I knew that he was angry and maybe he was going to, to cut them off from his from this covenant that that they had made but to consume them to me that sounds like wipe them off the face of the earth to yeah. destroy them get rid of them yeah it almost sounds like noah yes and that's that's almost exactly what god did in the case of noah he was so angry with everybody the bible says they're only evil all the time so he literally wipes off every family except one and kind of starts over and that's that sounds like he had that same sort of plan in mind but but then here comes Moses, um, and I like this, this state, these statements by Moses. Uh, previously in Exodus, we've seen him kind of shirk a bit at some of his responsibilities and sometimes ask, why me, and I can't do this, and get someone else. And right here, when it comes down to the point where the Lord is ready to destroy these people, it, Moses steps up with a, a very heartfelt and legitimate plea for mercy uh, to the people. Um, so here again, Moses is, has impressed. He's, he's changed a little bit. Um, I assume he's a little more confident in the way that he can speak with the Lord because he's been doing it for 40 days now. Um, so maybe that is what gives him the, the, the strength and the confidence to approach it in this manner instead of saying, well, yes, you are the Lord. Let's, let's do what you say. He, he uh, asks for some mercy from, for his people. Yeah, he does this on a couple other instances, too, going on behalf of his people. We've talked about him a lot since the, the crossing of the Red Sea. When the people complain and they bring something up against God, they send Moses to be the one that kind of goes on behalf of the people there. And here I find interesting that Moses' plea is to remind God that, yeah, these actually are your people. You know, you didn't want to take ownership of it, but remember Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? These are your people, God. And so God, yeah, verse 14, what we ended with, the Lord relented from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people. So beautiful picture there. It is. So these people, obviously, uh, according to uh, the covenant they've made with the Lord, are absolutely deserving of death and destruction. Uh, They've broken the first part of the Ten Commandments. I am the Lord your God, you shall have no other gods before me. They're breaking it right now yep. and the lord has every right to condemn them and punish them you know just like he has every right to condemn and punish each and every one of us uh for the sins that we commit by the minute uh, but moses steps in to to intercede for the people and to remind the lord of the covenant the the mercy that he has shown in the past and that these are truly his people and that's that's again another uh, in, uh indicator kind of a an archetypal theme here of Moses, you know, pointing towards Christ. Yeah, absolutely. We have the same thing. God's cup of wrath. Well, kind of go back a little bit. I've been doing a Bible study with uh, uh, kind of the Holy Week passages. So when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he says that prayer, Lord, you know, take this cup from me. When you hear that word cup, it's a reference back in the Old Testament to wrath and punishment and God pouring out terrible nasty stuff on people and so jesus is the one that takes that cup 
on our behalf, you know, taking that punishment that we deserve. Jesus is the one that stands between. And again, we see just a little picture, as Brian uh, so aptly pointed out, that uh, Moses gives us a little preview of what that action and activity looks like for our benefit. So, yeah, well done, Brian. <laughs> I try. Using the word archetype again. I think Kev, that's where we need uh, Kevin here to say. It's you being, uh, what, what is it? It's me just trying to be too too academic, too, too, academic. too, too booky. Sorry. Something like that. <laughs> no need to apologize. Archetype is one of my favorite words, you know? Well, we, let's unpack that. What, what is it? We use it we use it all the time when just when talking about biblical figures, you know, when we talk about Moses and we talk about David especially too. Archetype is uh it can meaning of it can kind of be found in the word too, the type part. We are it's someone who is showing us who someone else is or a theme of attributes that this person represents and we can see these attributes and these actions through these other people and we say hey this reminds me a lot of Jesus that's because these people are an archetype of Jesus they are a representation of some parts of his of his being of his personality or his actions or the you know the type of character that he he plays yeah good stuff did I describe that okay I, yeah absolutely <laughs> see I know every discipline has their own specialized language, and it's okay to use that stuff, and I think especially even more helpful whenever you have an explanation or description of all that. So that's what I'm all about. So everybody make a flashcard, put archetype on it, Get maybe get out the dictionary to get a more concise uh, definition than my ramblings here, but it's a good word to know because then when you, when you can look for that and other characters in the Bible, um, you kind of start to see, especially in the Old Testament, you start to see all of these things pointing towards the Christ that is to come. And it, it gives you a different perspective on, on some of these characters as you read through the Old Testament. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and then when Jesus does come and fulfill that, it kind of puts the additional piece in the proverbial puzzle so that it's like, ah, now I see what's going on here more clearly. Well, I think we had a pretty good discussion on uh, Exodus 32, and I'm looking forward to your sermon on this coming up later today. Uh, yeah, to see some of maybe some of the one. other uh, the other aspects that you want to bring into it. I don't. We tried real hard not to give away anything that's coming up, so the sermon will be nice and fresh and a new, different outlook on everything. Yeah, that it will be a little different take on this one. Well, I want to thank you for uh, for joining us today. Uh, and before we we close out, we do want to remind people again: this is the last Wednesday uh, for services in the Lenten season. Today, where there will be services at 11 a.m. And 7 p.m. up at Holy Cross. And don't forget, we got our last Wednesday midweek meal this week, sponsored by the, the Board, Board of, of Elders. Elders. And we're going to have some grilled meats and some wonderful sides. And I know that uh, as an elder here, we really enjoy preparing it and, and serving it for you all, so I hope you enjoy. Also, remember, during the Lenten season, we do not neglect our weekend services. Uh, so every weekend, Saturday evenings at 5 p.m., and Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. We also have an education hour taking place uh, between at uh, 9.15, starting downstairs with Sunday school starting at age 3, uh, and then going on through adults. Well, as always, uh, at the end of our podcast, we do want to close on a word of prayer, and I would ask that our faithful Pastor Gimble lead us in a closing prayer today. Okay, I'd be happy to. Let us pray. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, indeed we see many instances in the Bible and in our own lives where we see our own sinfulness, and we know that we deserve to be punished. 
uh, as we see God's wrath uh, toward his people, the Israelites, yet you had Moses step in and take away and plea for uh, relief of that punishment. We thank you that you have given us the same relief through Jesus Christ, who when he was on the cross with his arms outstretched, he endured that, uh, endured that punishment on our behalf, and we thank you for that wonderful gift. May that gift continue to, to be present in our hearts and our minds as we go about the rest of our week. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. And thank you for joining us today. And just a reminder, all scripture readings and references do come from the English Standard Version of the Bible. Thank you. God bless.